Yeah, as Drew alluded to, we were going through this season of thinking about discipleship. Um, we heard great testimonies to how that looks today with the bunk beds, um, with Bill speaking about that, and Drew sharing his own church experience. Um, but the scripture I want to lift up today comes from Psalm 119 and has us thinking about um, scripture as it relates to our call as disciples. So here now, portions of Psalm 119. Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. I treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the ordinances of your mouth. I delight in the way of your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servants so that I may live and observe your word. Open my eyes so that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. My soul clings to the dust. Revive me according to your word. When I told, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law. Observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Turn my heart to your decrees and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at vanities. Be gracious to me according to your word. Your decrees are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. With my whole heart I cry, answer me, O Lord. I will keep your statutes. I cry to you, save me, that I may observe your decrees. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I put my hope in your words. My eyes are awake before each watch of the night that I may meditate on your promise. Let your hands be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let me live that I may praise you and let your ordinances help me. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So in June of 1996, the summer before my 11th grade year, I received this Bible from my grandmother. I know it was June of 1996 because she filled out the percentage to page in my Bible. Now if you skim through the first few pages of this Bible, you will find three tracks. A three-track plan for reading the Bible. Track one is an intro to the Bible, a two-week reading commitment that goes through what the compilers of this Bible thought were the basic foundations of the Bible. Track two was a six-month commitment where you read pieces of every book. And track three is a three-year commitment where you read every word of the Bible. My favorite part is if you look at the goal for this track, it says, to read all the way through the Bible with understanding. <laughs> Not sure how you guarantee that, but there you have it. So I decided 
of course, that I was going to do track three. Read the whole way through the Bible with understanding. So I began. And I'm not sure if you, and you can't see this, but there's a two-page little box checklist of if you can mark off the scripture you get to. I, I got to right here. <laughs> this, is, this is how far I made it. So this week, as I thought about God's scripture and discipleship, I tried to put myself back in that space, that 11th grader who wanted to read through the entire Bible following a designated plan. I do remember there was joy in reading it. I do remember that that time apart in scripture was meaningful for me, even if I didn't get very far. But I also realized that I was just reading it like something to be finished a task to be completed, a box to check. But reading the Bible isn't about completing a task. Reading the Bible is a little different from how we're trained to read. But my daughter was in elementary, early elementary school, and I asked her this week if she remembered this, and she is not. But when she was in early elementary, one of her weekly assignments was to read a passage while we timed her. She had one minute, we were supposed to mark where she got, a kind of words per minute thing. At the end, there were always a couple questions she had to answer to see if she had soaked up any of the facts from the story. I know this was all in prep for state tests, which is a whole other conversation we could have, but this task of timed reading at an early age does have a way of teaching us how to read. Read fast. Look for facts. Integral plot lines, characters, answers. We're trained to read to find things out. What's the story about? What are the characters trying to do? What's the problem? What's the resolution? I remember taking the ACT, the reading portion, and what I would do, I don't know if you're supposed to do this or not, um, but I tell my kids to, I would read the questions first, and then I would go to the story and read through it fast, and when I found an answer, I would answer that question and move on, sometimes not even finishing the story, because once I had the answers, I didn't need anything else. But I don't think reading the Bible is about finding answers. I don't know if it's about reading comprehension at all. It is the very word of God, meant to be read slowly, reflectively, listening for the truth lying behind the plot, the characters, the problem. What does it say about God? What does it say about us? What does it say about that relationship between us and God? It's sacred reading. Reading is prayer. The psalm we lift in worship today contains ancient words of praise for scripture. More specifically, at the time it was written for Torah, God's law, the first five books of Hebrew scripture. Now, I don't know if you know anything about Psalm 119, but it is the longest psalm in the Bible. 176 verses, 22 stanzas, um, each stanza is for a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So I printed it out earlier this week so I could have it all before me, kind of sit with it, pray over it, make notes, think about what to include, not to include. It was nine pages. By Thursday morning, I had it down to four pages. And I was still working through um, 
how to share this psalm this morning. So yeah, while Bill was talking, I was stressing. How much of this psalm can I actually read today? <laughs> psalm 119 is this artistic shrine to God's revelation in Scripture. I pulled up Psalm 119 um, in this Bible from my grandmother. And incidentally, the, the first page on the presented to page does have the, your word is a lamp to my feet from Psalm 119. But I pulled it up and found this whole page about it saying, you know, it's kind of odd to write a passionate love poem about God's law. How do you fall in love with law? goes on to say, most of us will admit that rules are necessary. We appreciate them most of the time. But this psalm, this love poem, while being about God's law, it isn't about rules. It's about the totality of God's word. The poet sees life full of uncertainties, of enemies, of pain, but God has given a guide, a comfort, a continued word. The psalmist celebrates because God's word is not about being weighed down by rules, but it's freedom. I run in the path of your commands, the psalmist says, for you have set my heart free. Psalm 119 is instruction and prayer. It paints this picture of a faithful life lived in response to God's law being inscribed on one's heart. God's word is meant to be consuming, overwhelming, all-encompassing. It applies to everything from A to Z. With verses like, my soul languishes for your salvation. I hope in your word. Or your statutes have been my songs wherever I make my home. Or how I love your law. It's my meditation all day long. And the most famous, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's this model for meditation and contemplation on God's word. It anticipates God's continuing revelation, God's continued word. As one commentary said, I will let every action be guided today by the revelation of God's wisdom. And I will pause at various moments in the day to recall God's presence. So yes, we are moving through a season of discipleship, reflecting on discipleship, um, reflecting on the book Disciple Like Jesus. We heard great testimonies about how discipleship looks today, but we can't faithfully reflect on discipleship without taking time to think about the role of scripture in the life of a disciple. You know, this book has a great um, study in it. It talks about one that Gallup and Barna an organization did a poll on Americans and scripture. And they said that much like the psalmist, Americans revere the Bible. However, by and large, they don't read it. Over half of the polls taken said that despite individuals saying they believe the Bible answers all or most of life's questions, that it's accurate in its teaching, over half of those polls said that things like God helps those that help themselves or other quotes I could give you, that these were found in the Bible. And they are not. <laughs> Last week we named that part of discipleship is this process of becoming. We grow. 
as disciples, as we open ourselves up to God, listening, praying, speaking, searching, much like that young Jesus in the temple that we looked at last week. A life open to God, looking for those mysterious ways that God shows up in our lives. Obeying God is about growing in the continuing process of becoming, living to be more like Jesus. And Jesus knew the scriptures. Psalm 119 reminds us that the Bible is one of the results of God speaking. It is the unique written word of God. Our call is to read it, reflect upon it, listen, and most importantly, let Jesus be our guide as we seek to understand it. And my friends, we must take this role seriously for the bible has been used as a weapon more times than the christian church would like to admit psalm 119 it may be a love poem to the law but there's also this longing present a longing to be closer to god by knowing deeply and well the boundless revelation of god a realization that isn't about rules and regulations, but about a way of life that is other. A way of life that brings contentedness. A means for maintaining a right relationship with the world and with God. A way of life about loving God and neighbor. The Bible is not some dusty, rigid rule book, one commentary said. God's loving voice is found within the pages. God's word channels God's love into life. In God's word, one finds God. Amen.